0: Parents and guardians, it's time once again for the Fearless Parenting Show. Well, 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 welcome to another episode of Fearless Parenting. Today we're back for part two of a three-part interview with Debbie Godfrey. Debbie is a certified parent educator and she brings over 30 years of expertise in the parenting education field. She is the past director of Foster and Kinship Care Education at Ventura College. Debbie is recognized for her humor and compassion while teaching behavior and discipline tools that work at home as well as in the classroom. So without further ado, here's Debbie Godfrey. So now we got that crate sort of unpacked. Let's jump into the second crate, take the lid off of it and unpack it.
1: Yeah, and that's listening to our children. I think that the probably the number one parent complaint is, my kids don't listen to me? I wonder why."
0: <laughs> Let's see what's being modeled to them. Hmm. <laughs> And
1: so much of our, you know, we know, we see this from the time they're little, when a bad word comes out of their mouth and we're like, oh my gosh, I said that. Or when some behavior, when they do some behavior to their dolls that we have done to them before. So we can see this over and over and we don't realize anything that we're complaining about our children doing. They've learned it somewhere. They're watching So, so really listening to our children entails stopping the busyness, stopping everything that's going on and really getting down on their level, slowing down, breathing, just and and I'm, I'm talking about more than listening with our ears. It's like listening with my heart, listening with my love, listening with my whole being and, and stopping, stopping the doing, doing, doing. And I think that kind of connection with our children goes so far in actually helping with misbehavior when we're having behavior problems. Oftentimes, the children aren't feeling seen and heard and understood. And the first place we go to achieve that is by really listening. So stopping the doing and getting on their level and listening.
0: Well, you know, in in my investigative field, you know, I I ask questions with interviewing people. But, and I'm not saying, you know, you should be interviewing your child. But what I am saying is that you should ask calibrated questions. Uh, You know, they tell you something. Well, how did that make you feel? Yes. Yeah. And listen. And out of that, they develop another calibrated question. Well, are you looking for, because if it's my daughter, I got to ask this question. Are you looking for a solution to this or are you just wanting to tell me about this? Well, I'm just wanting to tell you about it. Okay. then I, I just sat back in listening mode and, and I flip off my switch because Oh, don't get me out there, people. I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm a man. I want to fix things. <laughs> I want to fix things. And I learned early on in a marriage class that me and my wife went to, they uh, we said, you've out there, you want to fix things. Well, let me tell you, when your wife talks to you, not every time is she going to want you to fix things. Sometimes she just going to want to listen. And there are a lot of us going, what? Because that's not who we are. And we have trouble Connecting on that point and go, why in the world would you state a problem and not want the solution to it? Well, you know what? God built <laughs> it differently. Yes. And so, if I'm going to connect with her, well, I've been married to my wife 26 years now. She comes to me, one of the first things I'm asking, listening, problem solving. And, and if I'm listening and I'm did, transitioning into problem solving, just let me know. Just drop it on me and say, okay, now go into problem-solving mode. And hey, (laughs) there we go. I'm ready, ready to go. And I'm trying to teach my daughter the same thing because she thinks that I ought to know automatically that to be in listening mode, I said, honey, (laughs) uh, yes, that's the way you are, but your daddy's not that way. You need to tell me and then Whichever future husband that you have, you need to let them know which mode to be in. Don't assume for them that they're going to read your mind. In other words, if I'm going to connect with her and she connect with me, we we got to connect to each other in ways that we're able to understand the other way. Maxwell says, everybody communicates, but very few people connect. And there's just those little things you got to do to connect. Like listening intentionally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. Listening intently, listening with that. And also I love that you're being clear and you're teaching her to ask for what she needs and be and being clear like that. And I think listening also includes for for young children this question asking and in, in that way we i i look at it as socratic learning that's how i teach my classes and that's how i teach the parents to inquire with their children so when i'm noticing i'm saying to my child you know go pick up your clothes or go get go do your homework or anything we're we're giving we give our two kids 2000 compliance requests every day <laughs> 2000 times they're being told what to do it's no wonder they tune us out and don't listen to us Because that's all they're hearing all day long is do this, do that, do this, do that. They just totally tune us out. So, what I always suggest to parents is that as soon as you notice you're about to say, why don't you, (laughs) or go do this, or go do that, to reframe it into the form of a question. And I like to call it a leading question Where are you supposed to be right now? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? What would be the most beneficial thing? What have you seen me do when I have a situation like that come up? So whatever you're encountering with your child, ask in, a form of, in, a, in the form of a question and a leaning question to direct them rather than to lecture, mm. to, to give them for compliance requests. And you're going to just get, it. yeah, and you'll turn their little brains on. Because when you're saying do this, do that, their brains are not on. At all for you. So when you ask a oh, question, please
0: stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Like if I if my child falls down and skins their knee, and they're screaming and crying, and if I go up and say, "What have you seen me do when I fall down and skin my knee?" They'll stop crying and they'll make this dumb little look on their face. They'll go, "Ugh," and and that's I always tell parents that's thinking. That's thinking. We want to see that look of Ugh.
0: absolutely. <laughs> Because when you get them to think and the answer comes out of their mouth, it's their answer. It's their solution. So if they say, you know, looking around their room with everything thrown off, you know, I probably could pick up my room. There you go. Do that. (laughs) when, when, When are you thinking that you'll have this taken care of? well, I could have this taken care of this afternoon. Again, being intentional, and I'm just building off of what you're saying there. I I do love it because when the answer comes from them, they're more likely to grasp it and get it done. But if you're supplying it to them, uh, probably not.
1: Right. And I see this as the real finesse in parenting is when you lead your child to do what they're supposed to do. And they take all the credit because they've owned the learning because of the way they've processed it in their own mind. What have you seen me do? What do you think you need to do next? Oh, well, I need to do this. I need to straighten up. I could straighten this up and I could do it by this afternoon. Now they own that whole bit. You're not getting credit for leading them to cleaning their room. and you, you shouldn't have it. You don't want it. You want them owning their learning. And so that's the real finesse in parenting is that, is that you guide your children in the, the direction that's going to be most beneficial for them and they own it and you don't get any credit.
0: Absolutely. Yes. You know, another thing uh, along that line is you get more of what you praise and what you criticize. So when they do and I'm not just talking about like a trophy for every kid and a trophy for everything. But well, when something of significance happens and they have not only taken ownership, but they've done it two to three, four times in a row, be intentional about coming in and say, you know what, I have noticed here this whole last week that you have taken care of this. I haven't had anything to say about it, but I want you to know, how much easier are you making it on me mama daddy's day is full and and, uh it it really doesn't help me if i have to come in here and clean your room but by you cleaning your room you're helping me and about stop! no no listen to me i appreciate you i appreciate what you're doing keep it up so what you're doing is you're winding them up for more success Standing them down and then let go and then just watch them go into motion. You know, I, I work with boys and uh, a group of teens in the summertime and uh, they go to a leadership camp. And if they're when they've been to four camps, when they come to the fifth camp, they get a saber with their name engraved on it, their favorite scripture. And I teach them how to drill and do ceremony with the saber. And you know, they learn a routine without calling cadence. And they get frustrated and everything. But when they get a section right, and they're usually grumbling about, we'll never get this right, we'll never get this right. But then when they knock out a major portion, at the top of my voice and everybody else in the camp think that they're in trouble, I have them come line up in front of me and I go down the line. You didn't believe in you, but I believed in you. And you just went out there and you knocked that out. Then I go to the next one. And I'm watching them looking for excellence. And then when I get excellence from everybody, I'm bringing everybody before me. And I'm loudly proclaiming the excellence. Again, winding them up. And then letting them go. And I tell you, Debbie, they'll go out there with their chest stuck out and they'll start catching each other on little mistakes and everything. Within a couple of days, I'm just sitting back in a chair with a nice cool glass of water, watching them direct themselves. And when it comes time for graduation, they knock it out of the park all because they owned it.
1: And the positive encouragement. And I absolutely a thousand percent agree. And that that's the research shows this, that, Positive forms of discipline are much more effective in the long run than coercive and punitive forms of discipline. And so you get much more out of them if you can encourage and acknowledge the things they do well than if you try to discourage and And punish the things that they don't do well. And if you want your teenagers to be willing to do their chores when they're teens, you've got to start this when they're little and they're helping you out and they're making contributions and they love to help you when they're little and to say, I love the way you helped cleaning up and I love the way you did that. And like you said, it makes the whole house run better. Everybody's happier. Thank you for your contribution. I acknowledge you
0: Okay, you just got to love Debbie. She's a lot of fun. She's a tremendous joy to interview. Be there for part three of my three-part interview with Debbie Godfrey. We're going to unpack that last crate regarding discipline and punishment. So I look forward to having you there and joining us for part three of my three-part interview with Debbie Godfrey. And please, please check out the link to her website, which you'll find in the podcast description so until next time God bless